The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Councilmember Johnson? Present. Councilmember Waters? Present. Councilmember Whitfield Calloway? Present. Madam Chair, you have a quorum. Thank you. Having a quorum present, we are now in session on today, Wednesday, January 25th. Is there a motion on the minutes? There is a motion to approve the minutes. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. We are going to move into public comment. Do we have anyone present for public comment? Please raise your hand. I see we have one person present. Do we have anyone joining us via Zoom with their hand raised? Good morning, Madam Chair and honorable committee members. There are, There is one hand raised for virtual public comment. Okay, thank you. Can we please set the clock for two minutes? Good morning, Mr. Crowley. You have two minutes. Okay. Uh, good morning to this honorable committee. Uh, you ladies represent three-fifths of the votes necessary to pass anything on the Detroit City Council. Now, first off, I would caution you about uh, the advice you've been given by the... Uh, LPD, um, I already know that the director has proffered to you about uh, Robert Carmack's uh, situation. But additionally, this is an issue of these uh, limited obligation tax bonds. And the money that the city council has been paying and interest on this, well, I've been looking high and low, and I haven't been able to locate any of the notices either. So what Mr. Jackson and Mr. Shelton have been coming before council saying is absolutely true. And the council shouldn't be making any of those payments because the bonds were not issued legally. Um, according to the fact that I can't find the notices, they can't find the notices, and nobody from the city has proffered up where the notices were published to give us the opportunity to um, call for a referendum if we didn't go along with what the bond issuance was for. Now, we would like to know what that money was spent on. The money is spent, and... Um, <clears throat> Stop all the payments on the bond interest because those are illegal payments being made on legally issued bonds. And that's just something that LPD shouldn't even have to research. They should know right off the top of their heads about whether or not you can make um, payments on illegally issued bonds. Uh, now, furthermore, the Detroit Police Department has a tag on Kenesha Coleman for suicide. Now, I've stated it on numerous occasions that According to the laws of physics, you cannot have a suicide unless you have gun stipplings on an entry wound. There are no gun stipplings on an entry wound, so therefore it cannot be a suicide. So on a city document, official city document, it labels it as suicide, and that's erroneous, bogus, false, and the chief of police, James E. White, knows it as well as the mayor. Thank you, Mr. Crowley. Who is our first Zoom caller? 
Yes, Madam Chair, our first Zoom caller is Karen Winston. Good morning, Karen Winston. You have two minutes. Hello? Good morning. Good morning, how are you? Doing well, thank you, how are you? I'm well, thank you for asking. I have a couple things um, I want to speak on um, this morning. One thing in particular I'm interested in is the acknowledgement of jurisdictions in the city. Now, what I'm trying to say is there are jurisdiction lines. We have state response. I mean, the state has responsibilities like today. Uh, the snow, the city should not be plowing any state trunk lines um, or county roads. The only thing the city taxpayers are responsible to pay are for Detroit proper streets. So I'm con I'm concerned about uh, all of our our being the uh, administration's overstepping of boundaries as it relates to whose responsibility and whose tax dollars go to fund that. So if we have a contract with the state or with the county to perform these tasks for them, then the public could be made aware of those. <clears throat> Excuse me. In case in point, now, there was just um, an approval for the sale of a waterboard um, but it's stated on the agenda as Gliwa property. Gliwa does not own any of the water board uh, property, none of it. So they have no ability to sell it. So if anyone was, it just showed me that no one's actually researching, not even the people presenting the, the purchases to you, no one's researching to see if Gliwa has the ability to sell city assets. The answer to that is no. The only way you know that is if you look into the contract and then you'll see who has the responsibility to do what. You can't just take what these people are presenting you because it shows that you're not doing research. It shows that you're simply, uh, basically, it, that's a rubber stamp because you're saying yes to something that's not correct, but something that's illegal. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Do we have any additional hands raised? Madam Chair, there are no additional hands raised for virtual public comment. Thank you. Uh, we are going to cut off public comment now. And seeing that there are no additional hands raised, we are going to close public comment as well. We do have several interviews this morning. Mr. Grady, can you let me know if Alan Venerable is currently on the line with us? We can start the interviews. Yes, Madam Chair, after looking at the attendees, I'm not able to see Alan Venerable's name, okay. so I don't believe he's online. Thank you so much. Then we will move to unfinished business and start the interviews at 1015. Beginning with line item 9.1, submitting resolution authorization for contract number 600-3874, city funding, amendment number one, to provide an extension of time and an increase of funds for legal counsel on immigration employee sponsorships for the city of Detroit. 
Is there a motion to discuss? Motion. Uh, good morning to the administration. Do we have anyone here from the HR department? Morning, Madam Chair. Um, no, we do not have anyone online, but I know they are in receipt of the questions that were submitted and they're working on providing a response. Okay, thank you. Um, my request was actually for Director Starr to join us to give us information about this particular line item. Um, so can we work on that with Sandy, yes, even with the uh, questions that have been submitted, um, I'd like to have her do a presentation to this committee as it relates to this particular item. Yes, Madam Chair, I can work with her on that. Thank you. Colleagues, is there a motion to bring line item 9.1 back in one week so we can work on um, connecting with Director Starr? Motion. There's a motion to bring line item 9.1 back in one week. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 9.2, submitting resolution authorization for a settlement in the matter of Revere Dot LLC versus City of Detroit et al. Case number 21-012-6862-CB. Is there a motion to discuss? Discussion. Thank you. Uh, this item was brought back from last week as well uh, to the law department. Um, Attorney Anderson, do you have any additional information to share with us or is there anyone on the line joining us? Yes, good morning, Graham Anderson, uh, City of uh, Detroit Attorney. Uh, we should have Bruce Goldman uh, logging in if uh, they can bring him up. Bruce Goldman? Attorney Bruce Goldman, <laughs> through the chair also. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I'm promoting Bruce Goldman to panelists. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Attorney Goldman. Um, if you are present as a panelist, there you are. If you would please introduce yourself for the record. Uh, good morning, Bruce Goldman, Law Department. Good morning. Uh, there were some questions that were raised last week. I will turn it over to, I believe it was Member Calloway. Um, thank you, uh, Madam Chair. One of the questions I had from last week was whether or not um, any tests had been conducted on this particular site, because I know there were two collapses at this dock. And I understand, um, well, I've been informed that there were some toxic um, materials, radiation related in this particular, um, in this particular area. Do we, whether, do we know whether or not um, the collapse of the dock, um, um, I don't know, increased the problem over there? Have we tested the soil? Um, have yeah. we surveyed the land? Um, has the company had um, replaced the dock? And I, I had some other questions too, and um, I don't know if you've received those or not. Okay, so I, I've not received anything. However, uh, 
starting now and working backwards, or we can start with the uh, radiation, the radioactive materials. Those were cl cleaned up uh, many years ago. Uh, Revere Copper and Brass was a place where they made uh, casings and such <clears throat> for nuclear weapons. So there was some, and uh, that was cleaned up when there was an Atomic Energy Commission. So no toxics that way. There were heavy metals, uh, and that property has been extensively tested, both by the city before it sold it and by the owners afterward. So we have a very good idea what's there. And uh, presently, we have a really good idea because uh, the EPA and uh, MDEQ, the state's uh, environmental office, uh, have overseen the uh, remediation to be done by the owners and have signed off. So uh, they did not release any toxins uh, into the river. Uh, soils went in, there was a, a uh, dam put up uh, to contain anything while the repairs were done. So uh, I hope that answers your question. It does, it does answer my question. So, and you can tell, you're telling us right now that nothing um, entered the water, the waterway from the materials that from the radio, radioactive materials. Are you saying that nothing entered the water, the river? Well, uh, as far as radioactive materials, yes, none of, nothing other than normal ground uh, radiation, which uh, there's usually some sort of background, but that's yeah. all that was would have been there and that doesn't show up. Okay, and my last question is, what's going on at the dock now? Uh, that I don't know. And it's, I believe it's the, putting it back in service storing and then uh, they use that site uh, for loading barges and such through oh, the chair thank you, if Mr. I may. thank you mr goldman thank you madam chair thank you attorney anderson yes we also uh, should have available to um an attorney for one of the contractors beth uh goth goth health um uh, if if she could be um uh, uh, moved up. Uh, I believe she could answer some uh, additional questions as well. Okay. Yes, Madam Chair, I'm promoting Beth Gotthelf to Thank panelists. You. Hello, everybody. I have joined. Good morning. If you would please introduce yourself for the record. Good morning, Beth Godhelp, attorney with Butzel Long, and I represent the owner of the site, Revere Dock. I'm not sure if you heard the questions that were presented, um, and if you can add any additional information. Um, I did hear the questions, and uh, I think Mr. Goldman uh, did a good job, but in further response, as to the first dock collapse, um, as Mr. Goldman had said, EPA, the state, and Coast Guard, Fish and Wildlife, and I'm missing, and Corps of Engineer all were um, part of the remediation. They were overseeing the remediation to make sure that everything was done right. Um, the waterfront is now cleaner than it was prior to the um, to the dock collapse as to the second collapse, it was on the side, it was the Corps of Engineers boat slip and it was the um, soils from next door to the boat, part of the boat slip. You know, as part of the boat slip, you can walk around the boat slip. So 
Think about um, your your own driveway where you have green space um, on each side. So it was part of the green space and it had been that since over a hundred years. So any material that went into the ground was just soil that's been there a hundred years. It's never been any industrial um, use at all, just green space. And again, overseen by the, um, the uh, state and EPA and everybody is very satisfied. Thank you. Member Calloway. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. What systems have been put in place to um, prevent this from happening in the future? Well, the first system that we have is we have a $12 million um, seawall that is over and above anything that was necessary. For example, the seawall only was required to go down 60 feet, but um, Revere Dock, who is a very um, committed community member, he went down all the way to bedrock. He used the thickest steel possible, not just the one that was typically used. So he really tried to you know, build a Cadillac and do it right. Um, there was a, a bad actor on site that caused these collapses. Um, he is he was kicked off the site and he will never be back on the site. You know, Revere Dock is not uh, Revere Dock is also suing him for the damage. But Revere Dock, as soon as this happened, um, rather than the operator who caused it, um, wait for him to do it. Revere Dock just stepped right up did everything and did it right. And then going forward, not only do you have this, you know, very strong seawall, but uh, we have worked with BC and put in safeguards that BC is comfortable with, independent engineers are comfortable with to ensure that the operations on the site um, are proper. And those include, we have um, in the ground, you can see a stone wall to make sure that nothing is um, loaded closer to the seawall than that stone wall. We've got requirements in the agreement that you are currently being asked to um, approve. Um, other safeguards, including training, um, making sure poles to make sure that the um, piles don't go too high, et cetera. So there, there are quite a few things in, in there. Madam Chair, piles of what? Gravel. Just stone aggregate. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Uh, and just wanted to briefly note that the uh, geotech ordinance um, has been put in place as a result of partly uh, the incident that occurred at this particular site. Uh, and so we hopefully will not have this issue again, but thank you so much for the uh, measures that you've taken to ensure that we don't have the issue moving forward. Uh, thank you. We wholeheartedly agree, thank you. Mm -hmm. Colleagues, any additional questions? Is there a motion on line item 9.2? Motion. There's a motion to approve line item 9.2. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 9.2 shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Thank you all so much. Thank, Thank you. you.
We are now going to move back to our interviews. Team, do we have Mr. Venerable, Attorney Venerable, on the line? Yes, Madam Chair, we have Attorney Venerable online, and I'm promoting them to panelists. Thank you. Good morning, Attorney Venerable. Will you please introduce yourself for the record? Attorney Allen Venable. Venable, I apologize. I was saying your name incorrectly. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Attorney Venable is here as a candidate for the Reparations Task Force. Um, will you please share a little bit about your background and, and talk to us about why you were interested in um, being considered for the reparations task force. Sure. Um, I'm born and raised in the city of Detroit. Went to uh, Taft Middle School, Henry Ford High School, which related on to Michigan State University, um, where I received my degree in pre-law. Um, I received a master's degree there as well, and I moved on to Howard Law for law school. While in law school, I explored my deep commitment to reparations, and I joined the Reparations Litigation Committee as a research assistant. Um, that program was led by Ajua Toro, who's a legal counsel for um, in COBRA, um, as well as um, Charles Ogletree and other prominent African-Americans who were pursuing litigation um, regarding the issue of reparations at that time. Um, I participated in the research, in committee meetings, um, and looking at strategy. And ultimately, I was also present at the time that the committee decided that litigation would not be the method um, to achieve reparations, and that ultimately the strategy was to promote individual city governments, including city government, not unlike what is happening now, to pursue reparations by looking at the historical effects locally and then having those individual bodies address it. So um, fast forward quite a bit of time um, along the way, um, I became you know, an attorney. I worked for the Bodman Law Firm for several years and I started my own law firm. Um, why am I committed to it? Well, first of all, number one, I believe in reparations for African-Americans for slavery and the historical legacy after slavery dealing with the exclusion and the oppression of African-Americans. I think that that's critical because if you don't believe in the cause and if you don't agree, you're going to have an issue with being a participant on this type of committee. Excellent. Thank you. Why do you believe um, it's so important to have a Detroit reparations task force? Well, as I noted, I believe that one of the best ways to do this, um, and I do agree with um, that reparations litigation committee that took place many years ago, that the best way to address this is to have the mechanisms of local government deal with the issue. But also, there was a historical legacy of that here in Detroit, and we need to look at it, certainly that oppression. 
at exclusion using the laws as well as what happened in the private industry needs to be studied, needs to be looked at, and we need to have these press these pressing issues addressed. You know, you can look at almost any indicator um, dealing with the citizens of Detroit over the last 50 years as it relates to African Americans and where we place on any of those indicators, whether it be income, whether it be inclusion in the private sector for jobs, and whether it be our ability to get public jobs as compared to private jobs. If you look at the ability to read, the ability to, you know, for the most part, have an economic successful life, we have been held back. So I believe that, yes, we should look at the effects of this on our community and we should be compensated and or have remedies put in place that deal with that historical um, situation that just oppressed us for so long. Thank you. Colleagues, any questions? Member Callaway? Uh, none for me. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Seeing no additional questions, um, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you being here. We have several additional interviews to con conduct for the Reparations Task Force, uh, and so we will certainly be back in touch with you. Our goal is to complete all of them sometime next month in February, and so we are going through the process, uh, but we certainly will be back in touch with you as it relates to moving forward. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Take care. Colleagues, um, line item 9.3 is status of council president pro tem James Tate submitting memorandum relative to reparations task force nomination of attorney Alan Venable. Is there a motion to bring line item 9.3 back at a date to be determined once all interviews are conducted? Motion. Mm -hmm. There's a motion to bring line item 9.3 back at a date to be determined. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. We are going to move into our next interview. Is there a motion to discuss line item 9.4, status of council president pro tem James Tate, submitting memorandum relative to reparations task force nomination of Ms. Lisa Thomas? Motion. Team, do we have Lisa Thomas joining us? Madam Chair, Lisa Thomas is not online. Okay. Is there a motion to bring line item 9.4? Is there a motion to to bring line item 9.4 back to, at the end of the agenda? Motion. Okay, because we have several more interviews, let's move into, if we have 
Twainu Reeves joining us. Yes, Madam Chair, we have Toynu Reeves online and I promoted them to panelists. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Reeves. Madam Chair, excuse yes. me. Did you want a motion to um, for item seven for the interview discussion? Yes. Is there a motion to discuss line item seven? Discussion. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Reeves. If you will please introduce yourself for the record. Uh, good morning, Madam Chair. My name is Toynu Reeves. Good morning, Mr. Reeves. So Mr. Reeves is a candidate for the Reparations Task Force, uh, a candidate representing District 4. Mr. Reeves, if you will please uh, share with us your background, your experiences that positions you to uh, join the Detroit Reparations Task Force. Yes, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, but before I begin, I want to thank the committee for allowing me to come uh, before you today, uh, make my presentation, and also uh, want to acknowledge and to thank graciously uh, Madam Chair for her nomination. Um, it's a privilege to have re received it from such a distinguished uh, representative of District 4. Uh, I grew up in the east side of Detroit my, as a lifelong member of the east side of Detroit uh, off, of, uh, Mac and, I'm sorry, off of Mac and Chrysler, across from where the Brewster, Brewster homes are, are located. Uh, my family comes from Jefferson Chalmers, and this is, kind of, this is where I live right now. Uh, I went to Bates Academy in elementary school, Detroit Country Day School, uh, graduated from Dartmouth College uh, in economics and philosophy, came back, uh, studied mathematics at, Wayne, at Wayne State University. I completed my uh, master's in, uh, in economics at the University of Michigan, and I'm presently a PhD candidate in economics at the University of Michigan. I completed my, uh, my board requirements in macroeconomics and uh, international macroeconomics and international trade. Uh, my research is currently in the field of public finance, and so I'm also doing that as a field as well. Um, in addition to that, I have two nonprofit organizations that work in developing uh, technology on, the, on behalf of uh, social societal and humanitarian causes. Excellent, thank you for that. Um, Mr. Reeves, can you talk about any experience or background as it relates to reparations? Why were you interested in this particular task force? Yes, Madam Chair. So um, as, a, as an economist, uh, we have a, a very unique uh, perspective on, on not just reparations, but um, any other, any form of of uh, market failure that happens in our economy. So if you look at it from, from our standpoint, there's extensive research that has been done that, that looks in terms of uh, not only the effect to the individual, I think that the, the, predominant, the uh, predominant way of looking at it is um, individuals have been, uh, and it's rightfully so, individuals, ha individuals have been given unfair um, disadvantages. Um, but one area that we look at as macroeconomists is how does that affect the overall country? Well, if you look at it this way, um, your background, your uh, understanding or your, your proficiency with mathematics determines how many patents, how many technological advances this country will receive. We have um, extensive research that shows that 20% of, uh, of what of opportunities are given to um, whites are given to blacks. So what that means is that the United States as a whole has lost over 80% of its technological uh, proficiency because we don't have we haven't empowered blacks uh, reasonably 
sufficiently to allow them to take advantage of their capabilities. Uh, so not only that, but we've come up with different uh, models and different uh, uh, programs of how we can how we can actually repair these damages. We can do it not only in terms of having to not just simply in terms of taxing, taking tax dollars and giving it to people uh, to uh, disadvantaged individuals, but more importantly, uh, creating given the resources that we already have existing and the resources that they have and helping them to um, to fully empower themselves and to take, take advantage of the resources that they have. Um, so, you know, as an economist, I would say that uh, it's something that, that I've, you know, that I not, not only, you know, in terms of my research, but also coming from the side of Detroit and seeing, you know, my opportunities that I've been given and those uh, those are my close friends and uh, and loved ones who, who are not here today for, for any number of reasons. Um, and also in terms of the opportunities that they, that they did not have. Uh, and also more importantly, the opportunities that city of Detroit lost because we haven't had uh, fair opportunities for all. Thank you. Uh, greatly appreciate it. We appreciate your background. I know um, that when we were provided with the 12 disciplines that would be a good fit for the task force, an economist was one. Um, and so we certainly appreciate all the work that you're doing. Uh, I know we've been connected in the community as well. Uh, and so just want to ask my colleagues if they have any questions or comments for you. Member Calloway. Um, thank you, Madam Chair, and it's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Reeves. And um, um, uh, I'm just happy that we're going to have a economist on the reparations task force. We have other PhDs, but they don't have a PhD in economy or I'm sorry, economics. So I'm really excited about what you're going to bring to the task force in terms of numbers, not always dollars but in terms of um, 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 numbers and data. Um, and I'm really excited about um, getting some reports from the task force from the economics point of view. So um, thank you, Mr. Reeves. I'm looking forward to um, seeing all that you're going to bring to the task force. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Member Calloway. And Member Calloway, I just want to share, um, I had a very difficult time selecting one person, so I actually have uplifted two candidates for us to interview and I think you all will find them both very very qualified um, and very interesting and so we'll see um, which individual from District 4 is actually the uh, person who moves forward to be on the task force but Mr. Reeves we certainly appreciate your time we appreciate your experience your background and your interest in being on the Detroit Reparations Task Force and uh, look forward to moving forward. Uh, our plan is to make sure that we interview everyone by the end of February so that we can, as a full body, identify who will be on the task force uh, by the end of, of the month. Uh, and so again, thank you so much for your time. We will certainly be back in touch with you as we move forward. Thank you again, Madam Chair and members of the City Council. Thank you, have a great day. You too. Colleagues, is the Mr. King, I know we have several uh, more interviews to be held. Um, should we now make a motion to request LPD to draft a resolution for Mr. Reeves? <clears throat> Good morning, Madam Chair. Edward King, LPD. Good morning, committee members. Good morning. Good morning. Madam Chair, uh, not at this time. Uh, I suggest you wait until everyone is interviewed. And then at that time, we'll push candidates forward. Thank you. All right, so we will move in that direction. <laughs>
team has Miss Lisa Thomas joined us. Do we need to make a motion to bring it back or TBD? None of that. Okay. No, Madam Chair, uh, Lisa Thomas has not joined us. Okay, thank you. Dr. Powers? Uh, no, ma'am, you don't need to make a motion to bring it back. When um, the individual joins, you may just go to her then um, or just wait until the end. Um, it, it's your option. You can move forward with your line items. Thank you. I believe we have Mr. George Etheridge, who is on the line. So if we can move him over to panelist. Yes, Madam Chair, I'm moving George Etheridge over to panelists now. Thank you. And good morning, Mr. Etheridge, if you would please introduce yourself for the record. Good morning, I'm George Etheridge, lifelong Detroiter, born, raised, and educated here in the great city of Detroit, Michigan. Um, come by way of Activate Detroit, where I am the current economic development and policy manager after serving for 16 years this honorable body as a city planner and policy analyst for the Detroit City Council. Thank you so much for that. Mr. Etheridge is a candidate for the DEBRA CAC board, the Community Advisory Council board for the Detroit Brownfield Redevelopment Authority. Um, Mr. Etheridge, if you will give us a little bit more information about your background, I think most of us, if not all of us, know a little bit about uh, some of the work that you've done over the years. But if you would please share with the, the public, we would appreciate it. Oh, certainly. Um, as I had indicated, um, currently I am the Economic Development and Policy Manager for Activate Detroit, formerly Thomas Group. Uh, where I specialize in land use, zoning, and economic development matters, uh, many of which come before this honorable body. Uh, additionally, um, for 16 years, I served as a city planner and policy analyst for the Detroit City Council, having worked for the Legislative Policy Division. Prior to that, I was the legislative director for the late great Honorable Barbara Rose Collins, who previously chaired the Planning and Economic Development Committee um, which a number of the Brownfield um, TIF requests uh, came through. Um, serving in that capacity, I attended these various meetings on behalf of the Councilwoman's Office uh, for the Brownfield Redevelopment Authority, as well as going out into the various communities where the Citizens Advisory Committee conducted the required public hearings. Um, prior to my time with the city of Detroit and having graduated from Wayne State University with degrees in political science and history, um, I did serve as a legislative aide for the late Honorable um, U.S. Senator Carl Levin, as well as the great late Honorable U.S. Representative John Conyers, uh, where we specialized in legislative review and um, matters germane to the state of Michigan. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to now turn it over to mm -hmm. Member Calloway, who has uh, nominated you for the appointment. Member Calloway. Um, thank you, Madam Chair, and good morning, um, Mr. Etheridge. Um, and I'm proud to say that he is a, a resident in District 2 and an amazing young man. Um, 
met him a couple years ago, and I've been nothing but impressed um, with you as an individual, as you as a husband, a father, a son. I watched how you interact with your family. Um, you support your wife and your mom. I had an opportunity to meet them both and your children. Um, and I just want to say that above all else um, gives me great pride to um, recommend your appointment um, to the DEBRA CAC board. I know you're going to do amazing things if you move past this process. And I don't um, expect that you'll do anything less than your best. I have one question. Um, can we count on you to be transparent as possible when there has been a substantial change to projects approved by DEBRA? And I'll give you a case in point. Um, several months ago, one of my staff members observed a carriage house, historic carriage house in the John R. area called Coda Brush being demolished. Well, he didn't actually see it demolished. He saw it up when he was coming to work. It was in place. When he got off work and was traveling home, it had been totally demolished. This honorable body was not um, notified about the carriage house being demolished, but the carriage house was offered as part of the renderings for the brownfield and other tax incentives. So I'm hoping from you when something like that to me is a red flag that you'll notify this honorable body and just be as transparent as possible. So um, will you, I don't want to say promise, but do you at least agree that you um, should come before the council, at least raise a red flag when something like that happens um, with one of our projects or one of the developments that we've approved? Um, through the chair to member Callaway, most certainly. I truly believe in transparency in regards to yeah. Uh, what has been committed to in terms of various plans and be they brownfield or um, development agreements between the city of Detroit and various developers. Um, in terms of full disclosure, um, as a representative of Activate Detroit, we are currently under contract with Olympia Development as well as with related companies which are seeking um, tax increment financing this evening, in fact, from the Brownfield Redevelopment Authority for the various projects within the District of Detroit. Again, I believe in strict adherence to the agreements, and if there's any divergence or any concerns that might be raised through the process of these deliberations, um, open lines of communication will definitely be utilized between myself and this honorable body. Yeah. Um, Madam Chair, may I ask another question? Member Cowell? Okay, so if you get to the point where you believe there's like a conflict of interest with your representation on this board and your representation or your job with Olympia Holdings and the other corporations that you represent with your full-time job, how would you resolve that conflict? Would you have to recuse yourself from certain votes? How do you see that um, unfolding? Because eventually yes. you're going to be you know, on the board and these companies that you represent um, with your full-time job going to come before you as a board member. How do you resolve that possible potential conflict? Um, through the chair to member Callaway, um, my roles and responsibilities as it relates to a citizens advisory committee member are paramount. So my primary responsibility would be to report factual information to your honorable body. As it relates to any votes that might present a conflict of interest, I would certainly recuse myself 
from participating in those conversations and or taking votes. Thank you, Mr. Etheridge, and thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Any additional questions or comments? Seeing none, um, I do just want to indicate that the other individual that was on the Debra CAC, we've not been able to contact. Uh, and so we are still going to have another interview uh, for this particular board. And so I would like to reserve moving forward with a resolution until we have both uh, individuals identified and then we'll move forward with all three names. Uh, and so if we can, we're planning to schedule the final interview next Wednesday. So if we can um, just move forward next Wednesday after the final interview, uh, then we will have everyone appointed. Thank you, colleagues. Thank you, Mr. Etheridge. We appreciate your time this morning and um, we will next Wednesday have our final interview for the Debra CAC board and we'll move forward um, to the formal body the following Tuesday. And so we look forward to connecting back with you and uh, giving you any updates as we move forward. Thank you, Madam Chair, and have a good day to this honorable committee. Thank you, you have a great day as well. Okay, colleagues, it looks like we now have Ms. Lisa Thomas joining us on the line. Team, if we can please move her over as a panelist. Yes, Madam Chair, I'm moving Lisa Thomas over to panelists now. Thank you. Ms. Thomas, when you see yourself on the screen, will you please introduce yourself for the record? Ms. Thomas has been moved over to panelists. She just has to unmute herself. Thank you. Hi, yes, I'm here. I'm Lisa Thomas. Good morning. Are you able to turn your camera on? Yes. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. So Ms. Thomas is here as the uh, second candidate for uh, the Reparations Task Force for District 1. Ms. Thomas, if you can share with us your background and what positioned you or what interested you in applying for the Detroit Reparations Task Force. Yes. Um, yeah, so I'm Lisa Thomas. I was interested in this position because I definitely would love to see reparations um, distributed to my fellow brothers and sisters in the African-American community. Um, I do have uh, different experiences with the government. Um, I am a fellow within the Government for America program in which it's a program to help early professionals get experience and exposure with uh, public service work. And so I figured this position would be a great opportunity for me to utilize some of those skills learned in the program for this particular position. 
And then I also work um, within the state of Michigan while being a fellow. And so it would be a great opportunity for me to expand upon my uh, leadership skills and stuff like that. I have also um, participated while in school with the AmeriCorps Urban Safety Program, where I did some uh, home safety program within the city of Detroit. So I did some canvassing and leafletting to help um, create households uh, more safe or being more safe within the city um, with fire detectors and stuff like that. And then also within uh, the city of Detroit, I have been a instructor for some of the youth within the city. So teaching uh, STEM programs to middle school, um, elementary, as well as high school students. So just demonstrating different um, engineering technologies to the students. So for instance, one of the projects I did, um, teach them how to build a rocket and the different functions of that. Um, as well as other uh, vocabulary and technology tools and stuff like that. And then lastly, um, before I became a full-time employee, I also did um, my co-op experience with the U.S. Army, um, doing different uh, software development stuff, just assisting with, um, assisting with the soldiers and stuff like that. So yeah, so I, I have different experience with public service. So it's just a good way for me to expand upon my skill sets and um, definitely try to get some reparations for the community. Thank you so much for sharing. I am a fellow Amos alum. Uh, so in a, a member of the AmeriCorps Urban Safety Program. So definitely recognize what it takes um, to provide that support and that service within the community as a volunteer. Uh, so we appreciate your total background and uh, appreciate you being here. Colleagues, any questions or comments? Um, yes. Um, Member Calloway. Thank, thank you, Madam Chair. Good morning, Ms. Thomas. Good morning. Um, I'm just um, excited about your experiences with young people and there is a I'm hoping there's a place on our task force for young people, um, and um, and I'm hoping that perhaps we can have a secondary task force for all the young people who may not have an opportunity to serve on the task force. Maybe we can have a secondary type of task force for millennials, and and, and Gen Z and all the other um, younger young people because they come to um, this whole task force with a different type of perspective and experience than the ones that we have been interviewing, um, you know, um, PhDs and, um, you know, economists and, you know, PhDs in black studies. But I'd like to see us, and I'm hoping that we will have a mixture of um, members on this task force. And, and, and I'm hoping, you know, maybe we can have another, a secondary task force with, you know, millennials. Um, they come to the table with a whole fresh new perspective. And a lot of them have been a part of protest and have lived that experience that some of us, like myself, have not experienced. And you all know my story. Um, I experienced the protest, you know, through the eyes of my and experiences of my uh, of my children. So I'm hoping, um, you know, that we get more um, um, younger people to um, show an interest in serving on the task force and perhaps create a secondary task force for um, um, the younger um 
segment of our um, population in the city of Detroit. Thank you, Madam Chair, and thank you, Ms. Thomas. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Member Waters. Thank you. Um, good morning, Ms. Thomas. Good morning. Yeah. Um, I just have one question for you. Um, what would be the one single thing, perhaps there's more than one, but just one thing that you'd like to see in terms of reparations? Are you saying like a tangible item that I would like to see or just as far as this tax force? Uh, yeah, tangible item. Well, yeah, I definitely believe reparations is a um, restitution for things that have been wronged in the past. And so things such as cash payments, as well as um, anything as far as programs implemented um, to help make the community whole, um, things of that nature. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. And I just want to echo what member Calloway said. I had the pleasure of interviewing some phenomenal people with great backgrounds. And, you know, it's, it's disappointing that we only get to identify one person from our districts but, and to uplift two people um, because I think, it, I think it's important as well to make sure that we have a nice, diverse group of people who bring forward the different ideas um, who've had different experiences to this task force. And um, we, our plan is to continue the process through February and um, move all of the candidates forward to the Committee of the Whole to identify who is selected to be on the task force. But um, however we move forward, I hope that you will stay connected to the task force uh, to be able to keep everyone informed and bring your ideas forward. Um, I think that is extremely important. Seeing no additional questions or comments, uh, Ms. Thomas, we want to thank you so much for your time this morning. We appreciate you. We appreciate all of the work that you're doing in the community. Uh, and so thank you for that. Keep up the great work. Um, we will conclude our interviews for the Reparations Task Force sometime in February, at which point we will um, connect back with you uh, to let you know how things are proceeding. Okay, thank you everyone for your time today. Thank you, have a great one. Madam Chair. Ka Member Calloway? Yeah, just real quick. Um, through you to Mr. King, um, what's the possible, we have this task force that we're building now, um, the reparations task force the main task force. What is the possibility of having like a secondary task force um, or supportive task force with, you know, some folks who may not be selected for this particular, like the main task force, like a supportive arm? Um, has that ever happened before where it's not like two, but it's like one that supports the main one. It may be comprised of millennials, Gen Zs who may not have an opportunity to serve but may lend support to the main task force. How does, how does that work? Would that be like conflicting task forces or interests? <clears throat> uh, Edward King, LPD. Um, Council, Council Member Callaway, um, 
this repar the reparations task force was impaneled as a result of a, a voter initiative. And its mission is to come back with recommendations on housing and ec economics to be presented to the city and to the city council and, and, and the, as a whole. Um, the council itself can impanel a task force on its own. It has the authority to do that. So as you speak of a secondary task force, which might be um, related to these issues, uh, in my opinion, I think that is a possibility. Okay. Madam Chair, how do I um, get that? Do I make a motion to investigate or look into it? Because I like to see something like that impaneled, uh, where it's not, in a, uh, it's not conflicting uh, with what we're working on here, the main task force that is supported by the city of Detroit and the residents. But to have that support type task force, so there's nothing that would prevent me from um, recommending that task force. No, it's not, Mr. Mr. King. What would through the chair? What would be my my first steps? I, I think that um, uh, I think that I I will I will talk to Mr. Whitaker about this, but I also think that this should be um, uh, something that's discussed between the council members. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you would go to the re through the regular process of producing a, a re asking um, LPD to produce a resolution on your behalf. Um, thank you, Mr. King. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Member Waters. Yeah, and to Member Calloway's point, I I think you can call it something like the youth, you know, um, a task force that would basically um, that the council itself can create via resolution. And it could be the youth because that's who you you know you seem to be outlining. We could capture the millennials and 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 Generation Z and X and I mean the rest of them. Um, but yeah, it would just it'll be easy enough to do that. There's nothing that prevents us from doing that. But but I would preface it with youth or something like since that's your focus, and it would give young people an opportunity to even uh, bring their ideas to the main uh, task force. Yeah, um, thank, Mem you. thank you, thank you, um, thank you, um, Member, Member Waters. All right, thank you all. Line item 9.4, status of Council President Pro Tim James Tate submitting memorandum relative to reparations task force, nomination of Ms. Lisa Thomas. Is there a motion to Bring line item 9.4 back at a date to be determined. Motion. There's a motion to bring line item 9.4 back at a date to be determined. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Madam line Chair. item 9.4 shall be brought back at a date to be determined. Madam Chair. Member Calloway. I've just been corrected. Um, so it will not be for youth. It will be for millennials, so that is my aspiration, and that is my goal to um, create something in support of the main task force for millennials, mm -hmm. which includes the ages of 30 to 40. So not necessarily the youth, because I already have a youth task force, civic en engagement that I've already implemented, and we've had meetings. So it wouldn't be for the youth; it would be millennials ages 30 through 40. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, colleagues. 
I have been made aware of the fact that the Board of Review is um, moving very quickly this year and there is still one appointment that needs to be made, which is mine for District 4. Um, I would like to ask if there is a motion to walk on an interview for the District 4 Board of Review. There is a motion to walk on an interview for the Board of Review. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. And colleagues, well actually to the team, do we have Teresa Dubos present? Yes, Madam Chair, we have Teresa Dubois present and I'm promoting her over to panelists now. Thank you. Teresa Dubois has been promoted to panelist. She just needs to unmute herself. Ms. Dubos, can you please unmute yourself and we'd love to see you on camera if you are able to turn your camera on. Thank you. Good morning and thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Will you please introduce yourself for the record? Good morning. My name is Teresa Dubose. I am a lifelong resident of the city of Detroit. And I am here this morning to um, interview in regards to a position to the Board of Assessors. To the Board of Review? Yes. I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, Ms. Dubose, can you tell us about yourself? Tell us about your background. What positioned you for the Board of Review? I certainly can. Again, I'm a lifelong resident of the city of Detroit. I have been a real estate broker for the last 15, no, I'm sorry, since 2015. I've been a real estate agent since 2009, and I was for loan officer. I currently reside and have resided for almost 30 years in the Morningside community. I've been a member of the board and I also was an elected vice president at one point. I believe it was 2010 or no, 2000, I was uh, nominated as the vice president of Morningside. I have worked uh, previously representing a number of my clients uh, at the board of review and I have been very successful with those endeavors. Thank you so much. In achieving a uh, reduction. Okay, it looks like we're having some problem with your internet feed. And so I thought you were done, but if you have some additional information that you'd like to share, please go ahead. Are you still with us? Madam Chair, I believe her connection is frozen, but it looks like it is back. Okay, no, I, I'm completed. Thank you. 
Thank you, Ms. Dubose. So um, I just want to maybe highlight a little bit more of your work in the community. Community engagement is extremely important for this position, uh, recognizing that, you know, some Detroiters are not even aware of the Board of Review, Board of Review process, how to file an appeal, uh, to apply for the property tax exemption, all of those things. Can you talk a, a little bit more about uh, your community engagement? Well, with my community engagement, I spend quite a bit of time educating uh, my clients and residents within the community in regards to their ability to apply for various programs, such as the HOPE program, um, mortgage assistance programs. I am one who has no issue sharing knowledge and the ability to how you achieve those things. So I spend quite a bit of time assisting others, directing, um, and actually sometimes making the applications myself for others. I recently made applications for a number of people for the My Half program, individuals who were in jeopardy of losing their homes to either property taxes or um, mortgage foreclosure. Thank you. And, and You're I, welcome. And I know everything that you have been doing in the community and the work you do as a real estate agent um, and a broker uh, and so I know we've had numerous conversations just about your interest and your passions, and I think the Board of Review is a great fit for you. Um, just want to lastly ask you about the time commitment. The Board of Review is one that is almost like having a full-time job. Uh, and so I just want to make sure that you are available to be able to commit the time to the position. I am available. Being self-employed allows me the freedom to be able to work after hours. So I am available to the commitment. And I actually appreciate the opportunity because it will allow me to enhance the knowledge that I already have and be able to assist more and uh, to disseminate more knowledge into I'll have more to share with those that I know in the community. All right. Thank you. Colleagues, any questions You're or welcome. comments? Seeing none. All right. Ms. Dubose, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you and um, we will contact you and follow up with you about moving forward. Colleagues, is there a motion to request LPD to draft a resolution to appoint Ms. Teresa Dubose to the Board of Review representing District 4. Motion. There is a motion. Any objection? Hearing none, that action shall be taken. Thank you so much, Ms. Dubose. Enjoy the rest of your day. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay, colleagues, I think that wraps up our interviews for today. And to the clerk's office, we will make sure that we provide all pertinent information to you as it relates to the walk-on. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. I believe we are now on line item 10.1 under new business. 
10.1 is contract number 6003484-A2, 100% city funding, amendment number two, to provide an extension of time and an increase of funds for project management services to the city of Detroit, 36 district court and other stakeholders for the implementation plan for MIDC standards. Contractor is Dwayne Anderson, DBA Dwayne's World. Contract increase amount is $6,000. Is there a motion? Discussion. There's a motion to discuss. Member Waters. Thank you. I, I, I just have a question, if, if there's anyone who can answer the question. Um, uh, this is the uh, Second Amendment to extend the time. So I just want to to understand why the project is taking so long and you know where are the delays is it you know 36 district complying with um state standards what's going on through the excuse me through the chair graham anderson law department uh we have jason harrison um available to answer all questions on this topic thank you jason harrison Attorney Jason Harrison. Yes, Madam Chair. Attorney Harrison has been promoted to panelist. Thank you. Attorney Harrison, will you please introduce yourself for the record? Good morning, Council Members. Jason Harrison, Chief of Staff, City of Detroit Law Department. Just for the record, just wanted to let the Honorable Council Members know that we also have uh, judge Ruth Carter, former 36th District Court judge, and attorney Ron Mormando available for questions today. They are the actual employees uh, of the city of Detroit that administer, if you will, the contract for the Michigan Indigent Defense Commission over at 36th District Court. But good morning. Thank you. Will you please introduce yourself for the record? when you see yourself on the screen. Good morning, Madam Chair and Committee. Uh, Ron Mormando uh, from the IDS office. Uh, I'm the Deputy Director for the program that uh, complies with the MIDC standards. Thank you. And I'll speak for uh, Judge Carter. She uh, I, she has a little bit of laryngitis this morning uh, and, and won't be able to speak. Uh, we've been texting. Uh, Judge Ruth Carter, who is the Director for our program, is on screen as well. Thank you. Were you able to hear member Wallace? Wait, okay, hello. I just want to say morning. I don't know what, what's going on with my voice, but sometimes you can hear me, sometimes you cannot. But I've spoken to Rom, and um, I think there's a few good issues that um, uh, Councilman, Water, Councilman Waters, that would uh, make a difference if you understood exactly the role that he, that Mr., um, that, that he plays with what we have to do at 36, it's not a problem with 36, 36 is running just fine. The program is running fine. This is just gonna be something that would allow us to be even smoother and so much easier for our clients. The um, the people that the attorneys will be representing so that they can get information just like they can come to your site and get information. I, I'll leave them more mind out. Thank you. Uh, so to continue on what Judge Carter uh, said, uh, 
is that uh, there there are no delays per se. I did hear your question, uh, Council Member, to, to uh, what we've been doing with uh, Mr. Anderson is uh, the, the state occasionally changes the requirements for what data is reported to the uh, for compliance. Uh, that data is pulled from the JIS system in the court system. The JIS is the uh, what tracks all of the cases through the court. Mr. Anderson worked for 30 years in the court setting up the JIS program. He is uh, instrumental in understanding that. That's a language, an IT language that quite simply uh, Judge Carter and I don't speak, but because uh, Dwayne worked in the court. He sort of has the the uh, skill set of speaking both languages. He understands what when we say we need the ROAs on these these arraignments, he knows what that means without us having to take two hours to try to explain what that means. He knows the code also, so he's able to work with the IT team to get those reports so that when the data set changes that the state asks us for, so we can continue to fund the program from the state grant. Uh, we can get that data quickly. Additionally, as Judge Carter uh, alluded to, we are working on a new website that will be uh, linked in the city and in the uh, court's webpage that uh, individual clients will be able to access the information if they have a question about their appointed attorney or about the program in general, if they want to request an attorney prior to their hearings, et cetera. Uh, additionally, the court-appointed attorneys, or excuse me, not court-appointed, the appointed attorneys by us will be able to access the, the forms, the documentation that they may need if they are working in the middle of the night or on the weekend and they can't reach us, they can get it immediately. And Dwayne is going to help us with that as well, because again, it's part of an IT project. It's not enough to uh, of a job to have a full-time employee, but uh, with his expertise and because Dwayne's been, Dwayne was part of the planning uh, team for the program before Judge Carter and I were hired. So he's familiar enough with our program to know the basics of what we need. Uh, he speaks the language of the court. He speaks the language of the IT team. So he's integral for that. So uh, I, I don't necessarily anticipate that we would use all of that money per se this year. It may go over a couple of years, but we, he's always been available for us when we needed him to assist on these types of projects so that we can keep the program running and compliant. I hope that answers your question. I'm, I'm happy to answer any more. Yes, it did, and then some. <laughs> I apologize for that. <laughs> uh, uh, Judge Carter, it is always just a pleasure to see you. It sure is. It was nice to hear your name. I see that. I, can't, I, I, have, I guess this is the closest I've seen you in a couple of years with all this stuff going on, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we saw each other during the holiday down at the... Um, Port Authority. <laughs> oh, we did right. Okay, yeah, we did. Thank you all. We, we, we appreciate the reunion. Um, Member Callaway, did you have a question? Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Is Mr. Um, Dwayne Anderson available? Is Mr. Um, Dwayne, since he is the contractor, is he available? If If you'd like us to get in touch with him, that'd be great if he can come on screen as well. Um, oh, since you all don't no. talk the since you all don't talk the language that he talks, I'd like to talk to him. Right? That's, That's what you just said, sir. You said you all don't speak the language that he speaks. And so I'd like to know, is, he, is anybody shadowing him from the law department? So if something, you know, if Mr. Anderson says that I no longer want to do this, I've been doing it for 30 years, I'm tired of it, I'm retired, because it looks like he's working from home in Southfield. So do we have anyone shadowing Mr. Anderson? Are we prepared to replace him? 
What do we work? What are our plans? Yeah, I, I don't believe that there's anyone. I'm sorry, through the chair, uh, council member. Uh, I don't believe there's anyone shadowing him. But again, Mr. Romando and Judge Carter are charged under the program grant that we received from the state of Michigan for this MIDC uh, contract uh, to make sure that he is being managed, to make sure that the data is being managed. So if need be, if there was a situation, as you mentioned, uh, where where you needed to replace the contractor, I'm sure that could be done. We, we have control of the information. It's not something that would leave with him. Uh, but I would like to give an opportunity to the two program managers uh, to answer your question further. And if we do need to, council member, uh, to, to get the contractor uh, available for you, hopefully we can do that now. But if, if need be, we can certainly bring him back before the council, but we will try to do that now. Madam Chair. Member Callaway, just very briefly, my team is checking to see if Mr. Anderson is joining us. Uh, he has not as of yet. Yeah, Madam Chair, what kind of information? Is it confidential information that Mr. Anderson oh. has access to from his home? What is he working on? Oh, no, Councilwoman, it's not confidential, but in an effort to try and set up a website. Okay, I used to hear my voice. Um, but Mr. Marmonte knows where I'm going with this. It's just that to set up uh, something online for 36 and everything, there's a lot of different clearances and different things that have to be done. It's, it's, once it's set up, it'll be fine. I think it's, we just need somebody who can set it up and include all the different nuances that we need. Uh, Rom? I'll, I'll keep it short this time. I apologize for my previous ramblings. It, it's coding uh, and, and to uh, IT coding. It's not, he does not have access to uh, client information, specific client information or anything of that nature, or even uh, attorney uh sensitive attorney data. It's simply coding. Uh, he's an IT uh, person. Uh, Judge Carter and I are not. We're attorneys. Uh, but because he was an IT person for the court, uh, he understands the JIS system, which is a specific type of coding. Mm -hmm. And he understands the language that has to be put into it, which is legal language that's turned into uh, four-letter codes so he understands how to write those programs and if there's a mistake we're getting the wrong data he's able to help work with the IT team to say this is the problem because he wrote the original codes he knows what's there uh, that's that's the unique thing we could find somebody else to do it but it would take us time and it would take them longer to solve these problems than it does Mr. Anderson because he wrote the original codes yeah madam chair I'm always, thank you, I'm always concerned about one person holding for having um, uh, access or having access to information or a way of doing things or coding and no one else does. So if Mr. Anderson, go back to my original question, if Mr. Anderson decides he no longer wants to work with the law department, what happens? Madam Chair, well, well, the, 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 the simple answer is he's not the only one with the codes. Uh, the, there is an IT team at the court. Uh, the problem for us is that they are overwhelmed with court business. And because of the way our structure is with standard five in the MIDC, which separates the court and the MIDC program, uh, it's, it's a, a tricky area for us to assign work to the IT team at the court. They don't work for our department. So we need somebody that's independent that can work with 
the the code the the IT team that's part of our team that understands how to work with them. Most of those folks at the courthouse worked for Mr. Anderson before he retired from the city. So it, he's simply a go between for us and the IT team at the court that works with them. He trained most of them. There is an entire IT team at the court. There's four or five people over there, right. but he works with that team on our behalf rather than on the court's behalf, which because of standard five has to happen. There has to be a separation. And through the chair, may I add to that, uh, Chairman Johnson or no? Attorney Harrison, sure. Yes, uh, th there would be a transfer of the information necessary and a transfer of duties to a new contractor uh, to answer council persons uh, Whitfield Calloway's question. If that occurrence did come about, uh, this is not information that we would lose uh, any of the procedures associated with how he's interacting with 36 district court or with him safekeeping because the contract is between the city and uh, the MIDC through the state of Michigan grants. So we would ensure uh, council person Woodfield Calloway that, that that information is maintained and it'd be transferred to a new contractor uh, if that day did come. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Attorney Harris. And that was, you know, the, the gist of my questioning. If there's an interruption or disruption in the flow of services from Mr. Anderson um, to us, you know, how will we deal with it? And you've addressed that. So um, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Colleagues, is there a motion on line item 10.1? Motion to approve. Thank you. There's a motion to approve line item 10.1. Any objection? No objection. Hearing none, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.1 shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Member um, Calloway? Yeah, I, I still want to meet Mr. Anderson. He sounds fascinating. So he served the court yeah. um, for 30 years. I'd certainly like to meet him. So one day, perhaps, Mr. Um, Harrison, since you work in this building, I would certainly like to meet Mr. Anderson. Thank you, Madam Chair. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you Thank all. You. Have Thank a you. great day. All right. Colleagues, without objection, I'd like to combine line items 10.2, 10 10.3, 10 10.4, and 10.6. These are all various lawsuit settlement requests, uh, incidents relative to the Detroit Department of Transportation. Is there a motion to approve or discuss? Motion. There is a motion to approve line items 10.2, 10.3, 10.4, and 10.6. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Those line items shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Moving on to line item 10.5. A settlement request in lawsuit of Dwayne Buford and Cynthia Muhammad versus City of Detroit and Terry Sanders, case number 21-016-159-NI in the amount of $225,000 in full payment for any and all claims which Mr. Buford and Ms. Muhammad may have against the City of Detroit. This is an incident relative to the fire department. Is there a motion to approve or discuss?
Motion to approve. There is a motion to approve line item 10.5. Any objection? Hearing none, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.5 shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Line item 10.7, submitting resolution authorization for the approval of payment of contingency fee to Hidden Assets, LLC. Is there a motion to discuss? Discussion. Thank you. Um, to the administration or the law department, um, I believe there is a request to bring line item 10.7 back in one week. Just want to get confirmation on that. Through the chair. Is it? Attorney Anderson. Um, uh, yes, uh, Attorney Charles Ramsey. Uh, he's in a deposition today. He would be the one to speak on this topic. Uh, we, we would ask uh, to push this back one week so he could uh, address any questions next week. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Colleagues, there's a request to bring line item 10.7 back in one week. Is there a motion? Motion. Because yeah, I in, have questions. Any objection? Hearing none, uh, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.7 shall be brought back in one week. Line item 10.8, a request for settlement in lawsuit of C-Spine Orthopedics, PLLC. Michael Newson versus City of Detroit, case number 21-006-811-NF in the amount of $50,000. Is there a motion to approve or discuss? Motion to approve. Any objection? Hearing none, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.8 shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Mm. Line item 10.9, submitting resolution authorization for, for settlement in lawsuit, George Galster versus City of Detroit, file number 15089, in the amount of $24,900. Is there a motion to approve? or discuss motion to approve any objection hearing none that action shall be taken line item 10.9 shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve line item 10.10 settlement request in lawsuit Nick decreasy versus city of Detroit File number 14744 in the amount of $15,437 and full payment of the workers' compensation Medicare set-aside arrangement approved by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Is there a motion to approve or discuss? Motion to approve. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.10 shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Line item 10.11, submitting resolution authorization 
For a settlement and lawsuit of Jermaine Baldwin versus Auto Owners Insurance Company, City of Detroit, and Jamon Jones, case number 21-010559-NI in the amount of $10,000. Is there a motion to approve or discuss? Motion to approve. Hearing no objection. That action shall be taken. Line item 10.11 shall be sent to formal with the recommendation to approve. Without objection, I'd like to combine line items 10.12 and 10.13. These are lawsuit settlement requests. regarding incidents relative to the Department of Transportation. Is there a motion to approve or discuss? Any objection? Hearing none, that action shall be taken. Line items 10.12 and 10.13 shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Moving on to line item 10.14, submitting resolution authorization, a request to amend the 2022 through 2023 official compensation schedule on behalf of the Human Resources Department, Classification and Compensation Division to include the pay range of $60,141 through $61,860 for the classification of EMS training school instructor lieutenant grade one and $70,591 through $72,805 for the classification of EMS training school instructor lieutenant grade two. Is there a motion to approve or discuss? Motion to approve. Any objection? Hearing none, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.14 shall be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Moving on to line item 10.15, submitting report relative to the 2022 fourth quarter end of the year report from the Office of the Inspector General. Is there a motion to receive and file or discuss? Motion to receive and file. There is a motion to receive and file line item 10.15. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Moving on to line item 10.16. Submitting report relative to Auditor General's term expiration. Is there a motion to receive and file? Motion. There's a motion to receive and file line item 10.16. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.17, submitting report related to Auditor General job posting. I believe line item 10.17 was addressed 
Yesterday, during formal session, is there a motion to remove line item 10.17 from the agenda? Motion. There's a motion to remove line item 10.17. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.17 has been removed from the agenda. Line item 10.18. Council Member Scott Benson submitting relative, memorandum relative to Sister City MOU review. Is there a motion to discuss? Discussion. Thank you, colleagues. Mr. King. Madam Chair, this item is addressed to the Corporation Council. Thank you. Attorney Anderson. Through the Chair, um, I, got, I received an email yesterday from uh, Corporation Council uh, who said uh, the documentation has been presented to uh, Council Member uh, Benson who will present to the sister city representatives if acceptable to the sister city representative and assuming no changes to the document, we reviewed and modified. We are prepared to recommend the mayor sign. Thank you. Um, any idea how much time that'll actually take? I, I cannot tell you offhand. Colleagues, is there a motion to bring line item 10.18 back at a date to be determined to give us an opportunity to speak with member Benson's office. Motion. There's a motion to bring line item 10.18 back at a date to be determined. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item. 10.19. Council Member Gabriela Santiago Romero submitting memorandum relative to reparations task force nominations. Is there a motion to bring line item 10.19 back at a date to be determined motion. once the interviews have been scheduled and held? Motion. There's a motion to bring line item 10.19 back at a date to be determined. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.20, Council President Mary Sheffield submitting memorandum requesting the Legislative Policy Division to provide an updated list of all city board and committee members. Is there a motion to discuss? Discussion. Thank you. Mr. King. Madam Chair, can we have this item brought back in one week, please? Thank you. There's a, requ a request to bring line item 10.20 back in one week. Motion. There is a motion to bring line item 10.20 back in one week. Hearing no objection. That action shall be taken. Line item 10.20 shall be brought back in one week. I believe that brings us to member reports. 
Vice Chair Waters. Uh, well, no reports, Madam Chair. <laughs> Thank you. Member Calloway. No report, Madam Chair. Thank you. And I have no report either. Uh, if there is nothing else to come before this committee, we shall stand adjourned.